This is Big Talk, Michael Glab here, my guest this week in the studio, Ron Smith, another in our ongoing series of uh, interviews with candidates for city council this year. Ron, thanks for being on Big Talk. Hi, Michael. Thanks for uh, inviting me on the show, and um, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, having a discussion with you about whatever you want. We're going to shine the harsh light on you. <laughs> And see what's going on in the world of Ron Smith and why you are running for city council. You're a candidate for city council district three seat. Now that's the seat that's been held for the past four years by Allison Chopra. She's a one-term Correct. member of the council. Uh-huh. She's decided not to run. Just recently made that decision. Right. Uh, she's not going to run. You're going up in the Democratic primary, the Democratic primary, which is the first week of uh, first Tuesday in May, against Jim Blickensdorf, founder of Grazzi, the Italian eatery on the square. That's right, Michael. You, for your professional life, have been a social worker. That, that's correct. And as I've thought about this race and how to describe the people, um, how do, how do you think about it, and how how do we select our our representatives? I I began to think about it that it's about our values and it's about who we are. And a leopard generally doesn't change its spots very well, or very very often. And so myself, I've been a social worker my whole life. Um, since 1987, I I started in the field and worked for the Bureau of Developmental Disabilities. And it was a direct, direct service. Uh, I was a case manager, so I would go help people uh, and get their services lined up. That's a state operation. And that's with the state of Indiana. So that I did that for eight or nine years. And one of the things you learn at that point is to advocate for people to solve very difficult problems, sometimes contentious. And so I learned those skills there. And from there, I, I have transitioned into working for the state of Indiana uh, with the Department of Child Services. And I did that for about 12 years. And, and what that was all about was I was looking at uh, the claims, federal claims, for foster care children for their services. And I would go to, for, to 35 counties uh, at the least and I would look at their books and audit their books to see how much money they could have claimed um, because, as you know, the f- federal uh, regulations are quite complicated. Ah. So uh, I was trained to look and make sure everyone who was eligible was being claimed. So you're one of these people who knows how to navigate the various departments and what possible benefits could accrue to so-and-so, right. you help them do that. Right, we helped do that. And what, what would happen is uh, when, I, when I did it, I did it for 12 years, I found over a million dollars in additional claims. I would write a report, give it to the counties, and the counties would claim additional monies. Uh-huh. And what they would do with the monies was expand services for children, uh, perhaps serve more children. And so... Uh, I've learned to navigate the complex federal regulations as well as doing some uh, financial auditing. 
So, you know, as a city council member, I thought that would serve me very well in making sure that things were uh, maximized and, and optimized as far as our federal tax dollars and our local tax dollars. Now, you're going up against Blickensdorf, Jim Blickensdorf, right. and it's an interesting little contrast because you've been involved in government for low these many years. Very true. He has not. Yes. His strength is? Well, he's a businessman. Yeah. And uh, I thought one of the, the ways that you can describe the race is it's the social worker, me, versus the businessman. Yeah. And then the, the voters have to decide. It, it's something that um, I believe that my background better prepares me to be a city council person from District 3 because of my involvement with advocating for people, for being in government work, reading complex regulations and understanding that, and then in some way assessing is that plan worthy of our involvement, worthy of our tax base worthy of our expenditures and and might it benefit a large number of people you know ron i find it interesting uh, one of the reasons why a number of people voted for say donald trump in 2016 they said he's a big businessman and we need a businessman to run the government and I, and i wonder uh, uh, do you buy into that uh, that rationale does a businessman have an extra added advantage to run a government? Before Donald Trump, I would say I, I didn't really know what I thought about that uh -huh. because there is some merit to that argument. Uh -huh. However, we can see that being in business doesn't mean you are prepared to do any government service or right. to evaluate or to uh, understand what people are thinking out there. So I guess the answer in my mind now is no. Um, I don't buy that argument that being in business is better preparation for being uh, in government at all. Again, the voters are going to decide, does that a valid argument or not anymore? And in this case, it's kind of a microcosm of what happened at the national level. Now, we're going to find out about what your positions are on various platform issues. That will run on Monday during the Daily Local News for Big Talk Extra. Today, we're just primarily going to find out who the heck you are. Sure. And I notice uh, you grew up in, on the north end of Indiana. Right. I grew up in uh, the region. The region. Uh, and a lot of people came down here from the region. Yeah. Uh, Northwest Indiana. I worked in the steel mills as a kid with my dad, ah. which was really, really fun. And Brothers and sisters? I have an older brother um, who lives in California, and he, uh, he, <laughs> he's done with California. So he's actually going to move to Bloomington in the next year. Wow. And it's going to be really nice to have my brother around. I haven't, he's lived in California for about 40 years. So it's going to be really great to have now my you brother. Say, you say you worked in the steel mills. What did I you did. do precisely? In the steel mills, they you do whatever they tell you to do. <laughs> but uh, I think one of the most interesting things, they I think they called us burners uh, when some of the steel would fall off, white hot steel would fall off 
some of the uh, machines that would transport big coils yeah. around. So it would they would fall off and it would be this big mess. And so you would take these torches that look like uh, you saw them on uh, Flash Gordon, and they would they would emit this flame, and you would burn these pieces of steel up and cut them up into pieces, and then somebody else would come take them away. Um, that was one of the most interesting things that I did. Must have been hot, obviously, in, oh, was, in that environment. Oh, yeah, because there was uh, blast furnaces yeah. just down on the other side of the mill, and uh, it was in East Chicago where the steel mill was. Yeah. And that steel mill is not here anymore. In fact, at one point, um, they numbered all the pieces. It was called the finishing mill for Youngstown Sheet and Tube. They, they uh, numbered all the pieces. They packed it up on a giant ship and shipped it to the Eastern Europe where some of the countries were just developing their steel industry. In fact, I think it was shipped to Poland, but I could I could be uh, wrong on that, but it was one of the Eastern Bloc countries. You're talking about pieces of the factory and the machinery? Oh, inside? absolutely. That they moved it just like that, like a jigsaw puzzle. Like a jigsaw puzzle, and they numbered all the pieces, and then they put them on a giant container ship and shipped them. Tells us a little bit of something about <laughs> what has happened in the United States of America over the last 50 years, because 50 years ago or so, East Chicago, Indiana, boy, it was glowing all night long. Oh, uh, it in was. In Chicago, we used to go to the lakefront. We'd look down to the south, and we'd see this big glow. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you could see the certain uh, processes. The uh, gas was emitted off the top right. of those. They would burn it off so yeah. that it wasn't dangerous. So. Um, yeah, absolutely. It would glow, and 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 the furnaces were incredibly impressive. The Bessemer process. I don't think they use that anymore. Right. Um, but it was impressive. Giant vats of steel, molten steel, would be poured, and it would be emit a lot of heat and be. It was just incredible. Yeah. Were you thinking you were going to end up there for the rest of your life? No, uh, no, I, I wasn't. Uh, I, I didn't really want to stay there. It, 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 you know, honestly, it was a great place to grow up. Really was Northwest Indiana. Well, I mean by that, by being in the steel mills, working there. Uh, no, I didn't. I yeah. was, I was headed to come to IU to go to school uh -huh. at some you point. You knew that was coming. I knew that was coming, and uh, and then you know, my father at one point said, you know, I don't, I don't really want you to have to work in the steel mills the rest uh -huh. of your life. That was an interesting thing for him to say. He worked in the steel mills for 42 years. Huh. Retired. He retired from there. Yeah, he worked there for a long time. And, it, you know, it was okay. It was good. It kept him and his family and food and a roof over our heads. So it was really great. So you came down to Bloomington to go to college. Whenabouts? 1974, I came down here to go to college. What were you studying? Political science. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah you bachelor. have a BS in that, <laughs> that's don't right. you? A BS, and and that's very appropriate. <laughs> uh, and uh, I did that. That was my interest at that point, and so I thought, well, that was interesting. Um, you know, in hindsight, you think, well, maybe I should have done something like been a dentist or something that <laughs> I could make some money at it. But but it but it was a very interesting and a great education. So. So you graduate from uh, Indiana University. You're a punk kid. Uh, right. You got dreams. What did you do? 
Well, I I worked on Kirkwood Avenue for a while. I ran a shoe store on Kirkwood Avenue. So people that have been around a while will remember Zwick Shoes. It's It used to be where Kilroy's Bar is down there, huh. 500 East Kirkwood. Yeah. St- still remember the address. <laughs> so I did that, and then... Uh, you, you were an employee of someone. This wasn't your own. Oh, shoe. correct, correct. Yeah, I was yeah. an employee of someone. And then at some point, I saw an advertisement in a paper about working at a rehabilitation center. Huh. And so I went there, and it was in Mooresville, Indiana, and I helped individuals with disabilities get jobs for about two years. And then I went on to state service. Uh, A friend that I had met um, said, you should apply for these jobs um, that was working in the Bureau of Developmental Disabilities. And so I did that, and that was kind of where I began uh, coming into social services and um, learning that I really – I got a lot out of helping people and in a very altruistic way. And so I never left it. I, you know, sometimes I thought over my life, well, I, I should have done it, something different, and it made more money. But, you know, I've had a good life and I'm happy at it and uh, earned enough money to have a good time and enjoy my life in Bloomington, have a child. Now I have a grandchild. And, yeah. and so it's, it worked out just great. Now, you worked for the state for about 30 years. Right. You just retired last fall. Correct. I just retired in September. And how it transpired was I became eligible for full retirement. And so I looked for a job in Bloomington that I could do something that would help people in Bloomington. Because for locally, all, yeah. locally, for all these years, I drove back and forth to Indianapolis and did most often, it was it was very bureaucratic. I did uh, federal reimbursements. Yeah. Uh, I worked in the Division of Aging, and I looked at performance indicators that we had to report to the Fed. So I did I did things that were, had to do with statistics and uh, r- doing reports for compliance issues. So I looked for something I could do locally, and I honestly had targeted in a way uh, Area Ten. Because Area 10 serves the elderly and people that are sick. so The Area 10 Agency on Aging. Correct. Yeah. And they serve individuals who are ill. They are in poverty usually. And they're, they're old, over 60. And so um, I... You can identify. I, I can identify now because yeah. I'm in my 60s. Yeah. So I thought it would be a wonderful fit for me to do... Uh, after I was done w- with the state, and indeed it is, uh, it's a it's a really great place. We do a lot of great work there, and um, every day I get more out of it than I give. So I'm real pleased to be helping people and help coordinate their health services and uh, advocate for them. I'm real pleased. So you're not retired in that old-fashioned way that we think of retirement where you're sitting at home uh, watching TV and drinking lemonade, you're you're still on the go. No, I did. I, yeah, I didn't want to do. I didn't want to stop doing something. Yeah. Um, and so, so I am. I'm I'm on the go, and I, I'll do that and uh, keep doing it as long as I enjoy it, and as long as you know, I well, we're all healthy and everything. Sure. And then now you're looking to become a city council member 
And uh, it still puzzles me how uh, the nine city council members in this town actually all have to have day jobs. Yeah. It's amazing because right. it's, it's by state law, it's a part-time position. I guess they make about uh, 15000 a year, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's correct. Yeah, but you know what? You're on call 24 hours a day, aren't you? Someone's going to be ringing your bell. I think you have to be accessible 24-7. Yeah. Um, you have to be able to answer your constituents. You have to be able to, to do those things that are expected of you. You looking forward to that? Can you handle it? Well, I, I've been having discussions with friends during this period of you know, running for office. And uh, I will admit that I think that I'll be a really good city council person because of all my experience in government and advocating for people and it's the social worker versus the businessman yeah uh, however as far as campaigning i don't like campaigning very much you don't i don't really like campaigning very much what do you mean by that because there's many ways to campaign well campaigning you have to say you have to go and say michael what vote for me because i'm a great person because i know all this and it's kind of almost um it's almost bragging about yourself right and and i've always shied away from that in a yeah. big way and so uh i had a friend just the other day say you need to you know state your case and put yourself out there and i'm and i agree but it's it's not in my nature to uh, extol my own virtues all right now here's one of the main ways that local politicians campaign ringing doorbells correct are you doing that i have uh, i have plans to begin ringing doorbells this weekend and so on sunday i'll be out walking around ringing doorbells in uh the different precincts yeah. that are in district three and what are you hoping to do are you hoping just to sit there and say hi i'm ron smith vote for me hooray or are you going to say tell me what you're thinking no i I think it's ask what what is the issues what are the issues in your area that you're concerned about yeah because it's a representative the city council person's a representative they need to represent the issues and the concerns of the individuals that voted for them or the people that are in their district and so it would be disingenuous of me to just go to a, a, a door knock on it and say, hi, Michael, let me tell you all about myself. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. Yeah. I think I need to knock on your door and say, what issues do you have that the city council, that we might be able to help you with? And listen to those issues. And then, for instance, one of, one of the issues I want to bring forward is I want to be a voice for older citizens on the council. Right now, I don't believe that that voice is represented on the council, um, especially since I was in the Division of Aging in Indiana and now I'm with the Area 10 Agency on Aging, older citizens who may be sick, may be at home, they don't have much money, they don't have a voice. So if there's a building or commerce or the street is being changed or whatever, somebody needs to ask, well, does that work with the needs of uh, the people who might have mobility issues that might need uh, a easier spot to get out of their car, to go in the restaurant, to go into uptown, to go into Malibu and have dinner? And 
So I want somebody to be always be asking that question. We ask a lot of questions about that focus on the youth in our town. I understand it's a college town. Right. That's fine. That's great. We ask a lot of questions about the pollution and, and climate change. I, I, totally great. But there needs to be another voice added to that. And it's what is it doing? How is it benefiting or not benefiting individuals that are older, that have mobility issues, persons who might have a disability? Uh, are there enough cuts in the street? Are there enough handicapped parking places on the street? I know they're not. And so I, I want the, all those things for me to represent some of those issues. And that's kind of a, this little focus area that I don't want to forget and that I want to represent on the council. District 3 in the Bloomington City Council map uh, pretty much can be described as a, the northeast quadrant, in a sense, yes. of the city. Are there a lot of elderly people? In that neighborhood, well, if I if I would look at the graying of America in general, there's a lot of residential areas in the District Three, which uh, you know Park Ridge East, Park Ridge, Hoosier Acres. There's there uh, Park Ridge. There's a lot of people who have been there for a long time. There's a lot of homes that have been there for a long time. They don't turn over like the student housing areas, right? And for that very fact, I've looked at some of the voting uh, demographics. And indeed, there are quite a number of people that are older um, and that are aging, and we want them to be able to age in place. We want them to be able, if there's a development going on, we want it to appeal to people of all ages and have an intergenerational approach and appeal, not just a, a giant student housing complex, which is what it's wor it worries me uh, that, that that seems to be a trend that is not really uh, it's not really complementary to Bloomington. It doesn't add very much to our city. You have recently, shall I say, chaired or at least coordinated, yeah, a couple of uh, public discussions, Cor right, about what's going to go on at the old Kmart site. Right. That's near the Blooming Foods on 3rd Street. This transpired, this evolved because I started going to city council meetings to do my homework to run for office. Kmart came up. And so then a couple of people um, that I know in the city, I, I asked them, I started asking them, what about this? And so this conversation evolved. And so out of those things came my interest in convening a meeting on Kmart, what's happening? Because it's going to directly affect me in Park Ridge East. Right. So uh, I go to Blooming Foods all the time. So I thought, okay, why don't I do this? And so I had one at the library about three weeks ago, and we collected information on what people are really thinking, at least in in those, there's about 17 people there. Okay. The second meeting we had had about 20 people. Two of the biggest things that popped out for me was they wanted to be walkable. They want it to be nice. They want it to be have a green space. They want it to have buildings that are uh, ecologically friendly and green buildings. Yeah. They want it to have space for people to be able to walk and enjoy with their families, with their kids. If there uh, a couple of individuals came that were older, they want to be able to 
walk over there and have it to be safe. They also, the other side of the coin was they don't want a big student housing complex there. Right. So the top, one of the top two things were one was they want it to be aesthetically pleasing. They want it to be very people-friendly, intergenerational, and they don't want it to be a big, giant student housing complex. And one of the, one of the proposals was an 8- to 12-story office building. Nobody wants an 8- to 12-story office building. It violates the city uh, commercial arterial. It can only be four stories. So, so one of the individuals that was there was a retired Navy veteran, great guy. He lives over there uh, abutting the Kmart site. If they build a 12-story office building, it's going to block the sun from falling on his house. He's going to have a big on his, shadow on, on his house. On his apartment. So people had some really distinct ideas that they didn't want to see and what they wanted to see. And so now the question is how to wrap some of this up in a package so that we can present it to the city council, to the planning commission, and to the developer Trinitas. I'm probably only going to run for one term. Yeah. Because I'm an older guy now. I will support a person, uh, a woman or a person of color in the next election, no doubt. I will, I will help. I will throw my support to them. Um, because I'm probably only going to do this once and it's going to be great. But um, <laughs> let's let's have a more diverse city council. A self-imposed term limit. Yes, sir. Now, you're married to a, a woman who has been part of an institution in this town. That institution being Goods for Cooks. She used to manage the yes. place. Yes, my wife, Lynn Schwartzberg, she managed goods. She worked there for a long time. She was there from the almost the very beginning. Uh, Charlotte and Marilyn took yeah. her in, and kind of uh, when she was a lowly college student, <laughs> gave her a job, and uh, I think there was it was a very symbiotic relationship because they all loved food. They all loved cooking. They loved cooking utensils. They loved the tools. They right. loved the cookbooks. We have so many cookbooks in our house. Oh, my goodness. Um, I think uh, I'm going to have to jack up one side of the house because it's <laughs> it's it's listing to the left because of the cookbooks. Do you cook? I don't. Lynn, what? No, she doesn't let me cook anymore. Get out of the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just no good at it anymore. I make a few Hungarian dishes huh? because that's my family. My grandparents came over uh, from Hungary on the boat. Uh -huh. They landed in Cleveland, ended up in East Chicago. So I cook a few Hungarian things, and that's about all I, I know how to cook Lots anymore. of paprika. Well, paprika... Yeah, chicken paprikash, uh, goulash. Don't make me hungry. Oh now. yeah, what are oh you yeah. Doing here? Oh yeah. <laughs> la, 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 la. We've run out of time, so join us Monday for Big Talk Extra during the 5 p.m. daily local news for more of this conversation. Ron Smith, running for Bloomington City Council District Three. The seat now held by Allison Chopra. She's not running this year. Ron running against Jim Blickensdorf, the restaurant owner from uh, Grazi. Ron, thanks for being on Big Talk. Right. Thank you very much, Michael. I appreciate it. And uh, for everyone out there, make sure you go and vote and vote for who you think would best represent you.